Connecting life and faith. This Welcome to Connections. Connections. I'm Colleen Hood with Mike Tom. Today is Day for Freedom, a day when we highlight the people and organizations who are working hard to bring an end to human trafficking. This hour, we're joined by Linda Yang. Linda practiced law for three years in Vancouver and then resigned from her associate position at a national law firm and in 2018 began her two years as a legal fellow with the Cebu Philippines International Justice Mission Field Office, which combats online sexual exploitation of children. For those who don't know what IJM is, can you just tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, IJM is, uh, stands for International Justice Mission. It's a global organization that protects people in poverty from violence. Um, IJM partners with local authorities in 21 program offices in 14 countries to combat slavery, violence against women and children, and police abuse of power against people who are poor. And uh, when I talk about online sexual exploitation of children uh, later on, it is included in the um, broad term of slavery um, because its victims are, are not able to uh, basically escape uh, their abuse. Um, IJM and our partners begin by pursuing justice in individual cases of violence, uh, collaborating with local authorities to investigate violence and relieve victims from abuse, hold criminals accountable for their crimes in court, and serve survivors through aftercare programs and support them through legal, the legal process. You spent uh, three years practicing law in Vancouver. Then you resigned um, to start that position with uh, the International Justice Mission. Tell us a little bit about that and why back then you decided to do this. Um, well, it starts with um, why I went to law school in the first place. Um, I, I felt that it was uh, a calling from God after I read um, uh, International Justice Mission's founder, Gary Haugen's book, Good News About Injustice. And I felt as a Christian that um, it, it was important to work justice into everyday lives, into our everyday lives, and uh, pursue it as a career rather than just wait for this uh, justice that's to come when, when Jesus comes again. So I went to law school and, um, you know, the job market was tough. So I got a job at a, at a big corporate firm um, and worked and got my experience, but really felt like the calling was to do something more with my degree. And so when the time was right, I uh, resigned and went abroad. So tell us a little bit about your role with uh, International Justice Mission. Yeah, so it's the ter- the title was Legal Fellow, which um, it was an unpaid uh, fellowship, which I signed up for one year at first, um, and then I enjoyed it so much that I stayed for a second. Um, I basically was attached to the legal team in Cebu. That's where I was, Cebu, Philippines. Uh, and I supported them, the legal team, in everything that they needed to be done, whether it was drafting documents for the court, uh, preparing witnesses, attending court, um, advising the police on upcoming investigations or rescues, uh, sometimes even photocopying or stapling, whatever needed to be done by the legal team, um, I was there. So uh, yeah, it it was very um, challenging work, but also very rewarding. In your time doing this, what did you have to witness and, and what was it like to witness what you were seeing? Yeah, that's a great question. I was prepared that I would be seeing some very explicit material, um, but I think nothing really prepared me for what I saw. Um, The crime of online sexual exploitation of children um, is one of the most heinous crimes that uh, could be described or could be seen. Um, Children are abused online, uh, well, abused 
in person and then recorded or live streamed and then viewed by somebody across the world who has an internet connection um, or sold as, as a, as a file to someone. Um, and the trauma of this is uh, extreme and the children often are very young. They're not, um, as you might imagine, like teenagers or adolescents who are trafficked into brothels or, or bars, but they're, they're really, really young. So some of, I think over 50% uh, in IJM's statistics are under 12. How big of a problem was this in the Philippines when you were involved in this? Philippines is considered widely by experts as the hotspot for this uh, crime, this abuse. Um, part There are a lot of factors that go into this. Partially, there is a very um, strong infrastructure of money transferring uh, systems because a lot of people send money home. Um, so it's very easy for someone to go and pick up money. Uh, and that could be sent by anybody from around the world. So abusers on the demand side in countries like Canada or the U.S. Um, can very easily transfer money uh, using these services to someone in the Philippines in a very remote village uh, or a, a small town um, because they have all of these offices that they can pick up money in um, in a matter of minutes, really. Um, yeah. And that's one of the one of the reasons. And of course, uh, uh, very easily accessed Internet connection, um, cheap mobile devices with cameras and recording capability. And then also social media platforms that um, the Philippines, uh, its citizens are often on social media often because the telecom companies offer um, free messaging when you sign up for uh, social media platforms. Now, you mentioned a lot of the abusers are out of Canada or out of the U.S. Um, for a lot of people, they're going to be like, oh, yeah, right, whatever. This doesn't mm-hmm. happen here. But mm-hmm. really, what is the reality of this? Uh, Canada is among its top customers uh, of people who sell uh, online image, images of online sexual exploitation children. Um, when I was there, there was multiple cases I worked on with Canadian perpetrators on the other end. Um, one particular case actually uh, resulted be, uh, resulted in rescues in the Philippines because the RCMP had sent uh, information from a uh, arrest um, and co- conviction that they had achieved in Saskatchewan in 2016 or 2017. Pardon, um, and the officers in that case, RCMP officers, were able to go to the Philippines and testify in the Filipino case against the local traffickers. So, despite what we think, um, this is happening here in Canada, we're, we're playing a huge role in, in things that are happening across the world. Absolutely. Yeah, it is, really is a gr- global crime and it requires a global response, um, a response that ends both sides, both supply and demand of online sexual exploitation of children. What would you say is the most memorable moment for you while working um, with IJM? Uh, I think uh, being on a rescue operation, uh, that's always been, that's that's definitely in a highlight. Um I've been on several, and uh, when you're on the ground seeing how local uh, police and social workers uh, work and and how IJM staff support them, uh, it really is, um, it gives me hope that there is a a possible end to this crime and and definitely um, has a deterrent effect on other people who might be tempted to do it. How important is it for us to bring attention to something like this? I, I think it's crucial for people here, for, for Canadians, um, to understand that, that 
we're connected to this. Um, it's not just children in a faraway land that's being abused, but uh, it really affects um, not only those kids, but the social health of, of Canada, of people who are using their money to exploit um, children abroad. And what does that mean for us as, as a whole? Um, I think Canada and our government and, and its people have a big part to play in shutting this down, in, this, in stopping this crime. What about uh, us as Christians, as the church? How, impl- how important of a role do we play in, in stopping this? I think we, we have to be honest with ourselves that um, sin pervades um, every bit of our uh, society. And we can see that it's not, we, we can be naive and say it doesn't go into the church, but it does. And, you know, maybe it's our fellow brother and sister who might be involved in this or, um, uh, and we need to not be shy about addressing the fact that it, it might be something that we're tempted to uh, to do or we might be uh, curious about what we see on the internet. But um, I think there's a huge role for the church to play in helping uh, stand for these kids uh, who are in the Philippines and, and other countries that have this uh, abuse happening as well and to say that we can't stand for it and uh, you know, um, be vocal about the government making it a priority um, and raising awareness. Now, going back to the Philippines, are you able to speak a little bit about those rescues, what that experience was like? I know you shared that it was memorable and it was give you hope, but what is that actual experience like to be a part of that? Um, it is uh, a situation, well, let me start over. Um, so when you're on an operation, um, it, it has, it, it's basically the culmination of months and months of investigation uh, where the police and IJM investigators have, um, f- have enough evidence that this particular person that they've um, found on a particular social media platform has uh, been, con- been doing uh, or selling or offering um, online sexual exploitation of children and, and these explicit images or videos. Uh, and so they, they conduct an operation where they can then um, catch them in the act of doing that. Um, and uh, then it's, it's kind of like a flurry of activity between the online portion and then the um, in-person portion. So we have to go in and figure out where they live and, and arrest them. Um, and in that moment, I think the, the biggest impact on me is seeing the children who are there, um, who are rescued and taken into a shelter, uh, and given, you know, have the abuse stop. Um, a lot of them are so young that they don't even realize the abuse is abnormal or, um, wrong somehow, because the person who's abusing them, um, often are a family member or a trusted adult or a neighbor in the neighborhood, um, so ha- helping them overcome that is a big task. And that is probably the bigger challenge in, in terms of um, how do we care for these children who are abused at such a young age and what, what will that do with, to their growth and uh, well-being in the future and down the road? Um, so, yeah, that, I, I would say um, in the rescue operation, it's not only just the, um, you know, the high adrenaline of catching someone who's committing a crime, but it's also 
knowing that uh, you're putting in a stop to something that is affecting kids um, and seeing these children face to face, that has, uh, yeah, that's not, not something I will forget uh, in, in my life, basically. And you speak of those children. And when you were speaking, um, when you mentioned that a lot of them didn't even know in my head, I'm like, okay, they're, you're going to go in, you're going to see these kids. It's going to be pure relief because they're finally free from it. But like you mentioned, a lot of them don't even realize what was happening to them was wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I mean, some of the kids that we've rescued were as young as uh, toddler age, um, I think the youngest in IJM's case history was uh, a three-month-old. Um, it's really hard to fathom um, how someone could, you know, want to want to abuse or want to see the abuse of these children. Uh, it, it, yeah, it, it is very hard to imagine. Um, and of course, if if they're family members of their abusers, um, these kids carry a lot of guilt with them uh, when especially when they're, you know, asked to tell us what happened and they think that what they've told um, is what's getting their parents or uncle or aunt in trouble. Um, They carry a lot of guilt. So um, helping them understand that it's not their fault takes a lot of um, support from social workers and counselors and therapists. Um, Some of them who are old enough um, may choose to justify in court against their abusers. And of course that comes with it. Um, uh, difficulty helping them, you know, make that decision and not feeling guilty about it, that they're somehow, um, put getting the, getting their abuser in trouble. Um, yeah. So it's very complex. It's a very complex issue, especially on the, uh, victim rehabilitation side. Now, was this what you expected when you took on this role with IJM? I'm not sure what I expected. I think I um, really just wanted to contribute my part. Um, I've always been a fan of International Justice Mission, uh, even before I I became a legal fellow for them uh, and followed their work. So I wanted to be a part of it. And um, and when once I got to Cebu, realizing that online sexual exploitation of children is one of the biggest uh, problems of our time um, in our internet age, I. Um, yeah, I really feel fortunate to have been a part of it um, and privileged to have been able to work amongst the frontline workers that are there, um, the IJM staff, as well as the government partners like the police officers who are very dedicated and the social workers that um, really go above and beyond. Um, and these are all local Filipino um, government workers who are often strapped for cash in their departments and working a lot of overtime. So it's not like what we would would experience here in Canada where we have all the resources there. Yeah, it's definitely, yes, um, for sure. I think we are very fortunate here in Canada to have have a lot of um, resources at our disposal, a lot of expertise. And so that's that's another um, aspect of this is that uh, I like to see more Canada-Philippines partnerships uh, on the government level um, where, you know, police officers here or social workers here or um, people with expertise and in, in technology are are helping and mutually helping um, the Philippines and sharing knowledge and sharing expertise so that we can all combat this together. How has this affected your career? Um, I think it has definitely broadened my view of um, what a legal degree could do and legal experience. Um, I, I currently uh, practice in the commercial sector, but 
um, I, I see that, you know, even legal experience uh, in the commercial sector can still be useful. Um, when, when, uh, when I was over there and um, especially with my litigation experience um, was helpful in uh, when I was drafting documents or being in court. Um, I think there's a lot to uh, contribute for anyone who's interested who might have, um, and not just legal experience, if, if, they, if they have a social worker background or if they're just very organized and a very good administrator, um, a lot of the field offices would be welcome to have fellows who have these, uh, these expertise go there um, and help out. Um, although with the pandemic, things are kind of on hold, but um, in the future, definitely if anybody's in any listeners and interested in thinking about it um, to contact IJM about their opportunities. Thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thank you, Colleen. It was nice chatting with you. And now for listeners who are interested in taking that next step to stop online exploitation of children, they're encouraged to check out International Justice Mission's new campaign, Shut Down Cyber Sex Trafficking. And there is a pledge that you can take on there again that website is notonmyscreen.ca. We'll talk to you again on Connections.